Greetings ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this batch video of one-shots taken from the HUPI subreddit. The links to the originals will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do so, please consider subscribing, because for those that don't, you will be visited later on by a biomass eating cloud of sentient nanites. Story number one, Elite Training. Written by Algy Father Anthracite. Breck was calm. He had trained for numerous rotations with the regular army, and having proved adept at field operations, had been kicked over to the special forces for additional training. After nearly half a cycle, he and his squad were about to embark on their final training mission. He was currently in a shuttle descending from the transport ship in orbit to the surface of a Class IX death world. Breck and his squad mates were prepared to spend the entire ten cycles on the planet's surface. Being a Class IX, the only thing that the planet lacked in terms of danger were oversized apex predators. The army had inoculated the entire special forces as a part of the training, so the dangerous microfauna should not prove too inconvenient. But the plants and some of the large animals could prove problematic. The shuttle sent down on the edge of a wooded area. The team quickly grabbed the gear and headed down the ramp to the shuttle, and ran it off to the one side, while the equipment specialists offloaded the specialized gear that they would need once unloaded. The shuttle dusted off and Brack and his squad were alone. Turp, the squad leader, barked orders and everyone started moving. Logistics took readings both manually and from the orbital ship sensors, and plotted a course to the Bovoic area that they had plotted out before dropping. Com set up a beacon so that both the team and the shuttle could relocate the drop zone for the retrieval, and the scouts got directions and ranges from logistics and started to trailblaze through the woods. The main squad would follow shortly. Drak and Dern, both medics geared up and waited for the main force to get to the ghost side from Turp. Once the beacon was set and the equipment was distributed and loaded, Turp gave a quick yip and then gestured for the troop to move. They moved without talking, walking as silently as possible. As they headed towards the Bivirk area, the site was near the river that ran through the forest. After about a quarter rotation, Turp yipped again, and when everyone looked and gave the signal for stop and take cover, one of the scouts appeared at the brush and spoke with Turp. After a few moments, Turp tapped his scout's shoulder and signal understanding. He yipped again, followed by a signal to change course. Apparently, the scouts had found something dangerous enough to reroute the team. After a half a rotation on two additional reroutes, the team finally arrived at the bivouac. With minimal dialogue, the camp was set up, the equipment was deployed and activated, and when everything was done, everyone but the patrol details sat around in a small solid fuel stove. They heated up their meal packs. Once they were done eating, most of them went to the tents, except for the next patrol shift, who relieved those who had just yet to eat. At a quarter rotation before dawn, Breck was awoken by his teammate Frizz, and they did their last patrol before everyone would wake up for the day. About halfway through his patrol around the perimeter, he noticed a predator skulking around the edge of the woods. He released the safety in his rifle, taking aim down the sights. And then a flash of light on the animal. It immediately started surprised with a sudden illumination, then ran off into the woods. Nothing else happened until everyone was woken for the day. After a quick meal, the squad broke up and started the various tasks for the mission. Breck and Dern would trade off going onto the patrol and staying at camp, 
each caring for the various small injuries that were common to such missions. Breck was at camp when the patrol returned early. Breck ran over to make sure that there was no medical emergency, and when it was clear that no one was hurt, he moved aside for the patrol could report. The patrol had found signs of a campsite about five grails upriver, near the second Bavoic site. They threw a serious wrench in the mission plan. If there was indigenous people around, the scope of the mission was going to change drastically. The planet had been scouted and no larger animals had been detected. If there had been mist, this would become a stealth mission. After several more days, numerous campsites were found alongside the river, but they were all fairly old. Turp was of the opinion another armed force was also using the planet as a place to train, but kept the teams going out and patrol in stealth mode, just in case. Breck didn't really care, as he enjoyed the extra training and stealth maneuvers. The injuries to this point had only been minor cuts and abrasions. The only notable exception was that one squad member who had broke out in a serious crash after passing through a plant that exuded an irritating oil through its leaves. There were also a couple troopers who were dealing with some sort of gut bug, but that kept them bound to the camp. There had been several engagements with some dangerous animals, and the third night had come to a Category 5 lightning thunderstorms. But other than that, the mission went smoothly. Two days before the mission was to end, Combs got a message from the ship in orbit. Another ship had been detected, and a drop shuttle was heading down to the surface, near to the drop zone Breck's team had used. Turp sent a team to the drop zone to observe the new arrivals. Breck and the rest of his squad spent the rest of the day packing up the bivouac and getting ready to bug out. After half a cycle, the observation squad called in by an encrypted signal and reported that the new arrivals were also heading into the woods. They were a group of five humans with minimal gear. Turp told the patrol to follow the newcomer and report back when they were bearing on the destination. Breck and the rest of the team at the base camp waited for the all-clear to head out to the drop zone for extraction. If another force was operational in the same area, and if they were discovered, this training mission would be a potential political disaster. After the scouts reported the newcomers were clear of the area between Bavoak and the drop zone, Drek and his team started towards the beacon. As they arrived at the drop zone, the shuttle began its descent. The observers reported that the humans were setting up camp in one of the old sites that had been discovered. Turp told the observers to stay for another few minutes and then head back to the drop zone. The observers confirmed and then went calm silent. About five minutes before the shuttle arrived, the observers rendezvoused with the squad. Breck was helping organize the equipment nearby when the observers reported to Turp. He could barely believe what he heard. After they arrived at one of the old campsites we had found, they set up the tents and built a fire. We were using auto-translation mic when we heard one of them say that they had come here last rotation. Apparently, this entire planet is a nature preserve for humans. They said that it was one of their favorite places for vacation. End of story one. Story number two. Wrath. Written by Algie Father Anthracite. Zickel sat on the command ship dressing himself in body armor, checking his weapons, making sure that his supplies were stockpiled in his carry-all. He strapped a visor over his face and left the small room, heading to the ready room to the final briefing before the drop to Sol 3. His people had come to Earth to conquer the system and claim the resources that were available. Water, iron, visionable material, all sorts of resources that were waited to be claimed while the humans sat there squatting on the treasures of the Sol system. 
unwilling to harvest them. After getting a briefing, the uploading the data to the field comp, the kill along with his dropmates walked over to the dropship and strapped in. The buzzer sounded and Zakil hung in the air, weightless in the freefall of the planet's surface. After what felt like an eternity, the retros fired and the straps dug into his reticulated joints, threatening to tear him to pieces briefly before the pressure let up. After a few minutes, the pod's thrusters cut out and dropped the last few centimeters to the ground. The doors popped open and the group just bustled into the strange alien air. No one on the dropship would ever make it home. Iacret stood on the bridge of the flagship of the Jovian fleet. The Pleria was a pride of the fleet, having been through six invasionary conquests. The Sophons of the galaxy had a hasty habit of leaving resources uncollected, and the Jovians found it wasteful. If the inhabitants of those systems would not gather their precious commodities of the systems, the Jovians would. This drop was not going as Iacret and his people, the Jovians, had hoped. The inhabitants of the system who called themselves humans were proving to be especially tenacious. Already, troop losses were nearly double what they were for the last two invasions, and not a single city had been completely pacified. Some footholds were made, but the people of this planet proved to be both exceptionally difficult to kill and patronaturally good at fighting in nearly every type of terrain. Iacret was going through some reports. The humans were a nightmare. Their tactics and strategies were disturbingly varied, and some were as brutal shows of force mated with the various military organizations on the planet. Others seemed to be actions of rogue groups of civilians, from frontal assaults to sniper attacks to guerrilla tactics. They were all an endless string of reports, each detailing a different plan of attack, different strategies, desperate attacks. After the first few weeks, the losses had suddenly jumped in number. Soldiers were dying of never-before-seen infections, poisonings, and equipment failures. It took months to determine that the microorganisms of the planet were often pathogenic in nature, and the Jovians had no mechanism for defense against them. The humans had somehow managed to taint either the food or the water left in their cities, leading to the massing number of deaths. The equipment failures were all caused by sabotage, either mechanical or, just as likely, covertly installed software that would wreak havoc on control systems. According to one report, an entire shuttle facility was lost when an inbound shuttle suddenly lost power on approach and crashed. The core of the ship drive went critical, and the resultant detonation scoured an entire kilometer of land clear of any building or structure. Iacret assessed the progress of his invasion had made, he had expanded an enormous amount of resources on the invasion. Millions of troops, thousands of vehicles, countless tons of food, water, and ammunition. All Iacrid had to show for his efforts was a pile of reports describing the many failures of the troops, and all that equipment. In some places in the Eurasian landmass, troops were literally freezing to death, as supply lines were constantly disrupted. Vehicles were constantly malfunctioning due to the control software corruption. Buildings and bases were constantly harassed, often to the point of destruction. It wasn't uncommon for homemade bombs to be thrown out of the small flying drones, which crashed into the bases, causing damage and disruption to operations. In the Americas, there were reports that some humans were hunting Jovians like they were prey animals. More than a few patrols had been found strung up by their legs from trees, 
a running tally was found on one of the data nets the Jovians had managed to tap into. Civilians were trying to see who could kill more of each troops, like it was some sort of game. There were rules about what counted as a fair kill. They were killing his troops like animals, and they had to restrict methodology to make it a challenge. Ikrit compiled the losses in materials, resources, and lives. He sent the data to the homeworld, along with a recommendation to withdraw. The humans were devastating enemies. The final incident had been when he had received a report of the entire operational base that had been overrun. Every usable resource was removed, and the only thing left behind were the corpses of the Jovian soldiers. Every single one had been killed with a weapon made of the native plant called bamboo. Iacrit had received the command. The loss of resources were incongruent with the progress being made. Invading Earth was losing proposition. The withdrawal command was issued. Troops returned to the ships and shuttles that were barely operational and were still suffering from software corruption. Once the planet had been cleared of troops, the fleet exited the system and made the jump to hyperspace. A few days into the trip home, a communique came in from Jervia. The Pleria, along with the rest of the fleet, was to remain in orbit, and the troops were to spend two-tenths of the orbit on board in quarantine. Considering the microbes of Earth, Iacrit considered this a wise choice. The fleet dropped out of hyperspace and began to orbit Jervia. The surviving troops were glad to be the peace and quiet, as they had been under the constant strain on Earth, never knowing when some native would launch an attack. While they were in orbit, Iacrit had the shuttles run through the very diagnostic he could, and ensure that they worked properly when a time came to send the troops planetside. Later, it would be determined that this was a terrible mistake. The quarantine was over, and the troops were being shuttled down to the surface. Hyacrit was on his way down with the first load to give his report. When the whole shuttle suddenly lurched to the side, Hyacrit cursed and called the pilots to see if they had regained control. They informed him that the shuttle was under control, but the turbulence was caused by an explosion. From the front screens of the cockpit, a massive smoke cloud could be seen rising into the air. Just as the shuttle landed, another massive explosion shook the tarmac. Nearly two decades later, Jervia was finally returning to normal. After the Pleria had taken up orbit, it had begun communicating with the ground-based systems of the Jervian homeworld. Voice and video calls to loved ones, control and telemetry data, reports, and, unbeknownst to the Jervians, a computer virus. It silently copied itself into every system it could, starting with the shuttle controls and working its way through every data system on the Jervian homeworld until it was infecting some 80% of the data nets. When the built-in countdown timer for the virus hit zero, the virus started randomly killing processes in whatever system it was infecting. Transports fell out of the sky, Power plants would shut down or go critical. Ground vehicles would go out of control or suddenly shut down. The death toll was enormous. Whole stretches of land were rendered uninhabitable due to the radioactive and or chemical contamination. Emergency services were crippled by the non-functional equipment. Communications all but halted. Data nets went dark and the hardware that they ran failed. Industries ground to a halt. Millions died in the ensuing chaos. Millions more starved to death because automated and computerized farming equipment failed. What food once gathered was difficult to transport. Riots broke out, claiming even more lives. When the sample of the virus was finally analyzed, the hidden code was a single line in Terran Common. Anger becomes the sin of wrath 
when it is directed against an innocent person, when it is unduly strong or long-lasting, or when it desires excessive punishment. End of story number two. End of the dispatch video. If you wish to support the author or the channel, all the relevant links are down below. But the easiest way would be to share this video far and wide to as many unsuspecting people as possible. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good time, and I'll see you then. Cheers.